Thank you for listening to the podcast of Antioch Church, a Christian community in Bend, Oregon, being formed by the story of a God who is making all things new, including us. You can learn more at AntiochChurch.org. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning, Antioch. As you may have noticed, uh, none of you are here today, which is super weird, but at least you get to drink some coffee during the sermon, and uh, hopefully (laughs) everything works out. So, hey, I want you to know that during these four weeks, when we're not, not gathering on Sundays, we are just as committed as ever to pursuing the vision and mission God has given us as a church. And in fact, in an uncertain time like this, we have the opportunity to really begin praying and dreaming and thinking creatively about what it might look like to be the church of Jesus, the kind of people that the world needs most. And so in the coming days and weeks, you'll be hearing a lot more from our pastors and staff about some of the ways that we're hoping to provide love and care for those in our church and in our city uh, who need it most those who are vulnerable, elderly, sick, disabled, unemployed, and so on, we are committed to serving each other in love. So on that note, if you are part of the Antioch community and find yourself in need during this corona pandemic, would you please reach out to us? We want to know how our church family can pray for you, serve you, support you, help you in any way possible. Meals, groceries, gas, medicine, transportation, childcare, whatever you need, we are here for each other. I know it's hard to ask for help, but we are a family and you're not allowed to do this alone. Deal? All right, so you'll be hearing from us soon. So our scripture for this morning is from Colossians chapter 3, and I think that you'll find today's passage is especially timely for the moment in which we find ourselves. So if you've got a Bible, grab it and open up to the book of Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 15. Paul writes, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So this morning, I want to talk about this idea of peace. And specifically, where do we go to find peace in the midst of uncertainty? In verse 15, Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Well, what does that mean? There's actually a parallel passage in Philippians 4 that will help us understand a little bit better what Paul's talking about. In Philippians 4, starting in verse 7, he writes, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. For I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. So when Paul talks about the peace of Christ, he's talking about a deep, abiding force of well-being that transcends circumstances. 
I think about it like this. In the world of art and design, uh, you have what are known as symmetrical and asymmetrical pieces of work. Um, so let me show you, just for example, some examples of corporate logos that you may recognize. You have symmetrical logos where both sides of the image mirror each other. Or in other words, if you only had the left side, you could know what the right side was going to look like, even if you couldn't see it. An asymmetrical logo is where the left and right sides don't mirror each other. If you had just the left side, you would have no way of knowing what the right side looks like. So symmetrical shapes are equally distributed. They're balanced and they are predictable. What's happening on one side necessarily determines what's happening on the other side. Asymmetrical shapes are unequally distributed. The two sides are indifferent towards one another, so just because something's happening on one side doesn't guarantee anything about the other side. So what the Bible teaches about peace, true peace, the peace of Christ, is that it's asymmetrical to the circumstances of our lives. And I would argue that this goes against every instinct we have that we naturally assume that peace is symmetrical to our circumstances. That if we have the circumstances we want, then we would have the peace we want. When I have enough money in the bank to withstand a recession, then I'll have peace. When the recognition and the position finally come my way at work, then I'll have peace. When I look in the mirror and I like what I see, finally, then I'll have peace. When the tests come back clear, I'll have peace. See, all of these statements assume that peace is symmetrical with circumstances. But Paul's saying true peace transcends circumstances. He goes, whether we're rich or poor, well-fed or hungry, healthy or sick, the peace of Christ can rule in our hearts. Isn't that good news? Isn't that what we all want? Isn't that what everyone is looking for? Isn't that what the world needs? So how do we experience the peace of Christ? Well, to begin to answer that question, we're going to look back just a few verses. Back in verse 12, Paul says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, I want to talk about this word, therefore, for a moment. It's a word that shows up several times in this chapter, and we typically treat it like a flyover word when we're reading, but it's a hugely important word. In fact, just its presence is worth paying attention to. The word, therefore, indicates that the author is using logic to make his argument. Therefore is a word that invites the reader to reason, to deduce, to think. And throughout this letter, Paul has gone to great lengths to lay out the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, God himself has broken into human history. 
joined himself to humanity, suffered and died for our sin, victoriously risen from the dead and ascended into heaven, inaugurating God's kingdom reign on earth and launching this cosmic revolution to make all things new, including us. So because of who Jesus is and what he's done, the story of the world has been changed forever. Therefore, or in other words, Paul's going, if this is true, if this gospel is true, then let's carry it out to its logical conclusion. Let's think about it. Let's reason together. Where does this go? So Paul's saying that receiving the peace of Christ in our hearts begins with thinking. With thinking. Do you realize how revolutionary that is? This is so different than the ways that the world tells us to try to find peace. The world is filled with books, articles, websites, blog posts, podcasts about how to find true peace, how to deal with stress, how to stay calm, how to overcome anxiety, how to face your fears, how to keep your cool, how to find happiness, so on and so forth. And where do they all tell us to start in our pursuit of peace? What I've found is that they don't start with logic. They don't start with reason. They don't start with thinking. They all start with technique, or they start not with thinking, but with doing. In fact, an article showed up in my newsfeed this morning. It was about how to keep the peace in your home during the pandemic. And here were some of their suggestions for finding peace. You need to create a clean workspace. You need to structure your day intentionally. You need to try to separate your home life from your work life. Others will tell us that the secret of peace is to get up early, to get organized, to start doing yoga or meditation, to learn relaxation techniques, or that sort of thing. Now, all of that may be good advice, but just notice that they don't start with thinking, they start with doing. And why? Well, because the world thinks that peace is symmetrical to circumstance. Change your environment, change your habits, change your schedule, and you'll find peace. Which means it's all up to me and what I am going to do. But the gospel actually tells us something totally different. It's a completely different story. Rather than being about you and what you're supposed to be doing, it tells us that it's all about Jesus and what he has done for us. And so the peace that Paul's talking about isn't the peace of the world. It is the peace of Christ. And it doesn't just mean the peace that Christ gives, but the peace that Christ is. Jesus himself is our peace. And so our first step isn't doing. It's thinking, reasoning, using logic, and asking the question, if God really does love this world so much that he gave his only son to save it, 
then what does that mean? What does that mean for my life? What does that mean for our city? What does that mean for the world? Let's ride this gospel story out to its logical conclusions. And what we'll find is that the peace of Christ is asymmetrical to our circumstances, but it is the logical outcome of the gospel of Jesus. The logic of the gospel leads us to a permeating peace and a joyful gratitude that can stand up to whatever comes our way. And so when we start to really think the way that Paul is inviting us to think, what we find is that peace is rooted in hope, in this ultimate confidence in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, that the creator of the world is also the redeemer and the sustainer of the world. And one day he will return to renew the entire creation. This hope is cosmic, but it's also personal. In the 1600s, in the wake of the Protestant Reformation, German Christians found themselves needing a resource to increase their church's theological understanding and literacy. And so they ended up commissioning a group of Bible scholars and theologians to create a new catechism, which is essentially a confessional document or a summary of Christian beliefs, but it's laid out in the form of a series of questions and answers. And so let me share with you In closing, the very first question of the Heidelberg Catechism. Question one, day one. What is the only comfort in life and in death? So this was written in a time of religious turmoil and social anxiety. And the question is, is there a place that we can look to find peace, comfort, and hope that will not only f- help us face whatever life throws at us, but a peace and a hope that are so big that they will even sustain us in the face of death? What is your only comfort in life and in death? And here's the answer. That I am not my own but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood. He set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. So Antioch and others, to whoever's watching this today, may the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, may you do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen.
Will you pray with me? Father, we are so thankful for the love that compelled you to send your Son into our world, to live among us, to die for us, to rise and to launch this movement of restoration and renewal that includes even us. God, today that I'm, th I'm thankful that even in the midst of uncertain times, pandemic, sickness, none of us know where this is going. None of us have ever been here before. There's much we don't know. But we do know you. We know who you are and we know what you're like because you have shown yourself to us in your son, Jesus. And so though we have many unanswered questions, we thank you that you have given us an answer to life's biggest questions. And that answer isn't just a theory or a set of beliefs, but that answer is a person. who made us, who knows us, who's with us, who's saving us. Father, I pray that during this season that our church would cease every opportunity to live deeper into this gospel. That you would help us see you as you really are, to see ourselves as you see us, and to see our neighbors in the city and around the world as your lost sons and daughters whom you love and who you are calling us to lay down our lives for. Jesus, thank you that you are our peace and that you are with us no matter what. In Jesus' name.